Howdy, folks. This is the Mighty Thor podcast, episode 24, that you are listening to as we record it. Well, no, not really. We've already recorded it by the time you listen to it. But Yeah, we're not live. No. We're memorized. We are live now. Yes. But. Yeah, we're not zombies doing this little th- podcast. No, this is just a recording. Yes. Or, well, actually it is, but it's not. It's kind of confusing, the whole thing, but it doesn't matter. So, uh, to host podcast for all you new folks out there, uh, I'm Ed. I'm Terry. And uh, we get together every couple weeks and we talk about the latest Thor book uh, that's come out from Marvel, whether it be the Mighty Thor or the Journey into Mystery title. Basically, there are two monthly Thor-related books coming out right now. Uh, and then Three if you count Fear Itself. It's a mini series, so yeah. it's not an ongoing. Which, yeah, at some point we'll start talking about fear itself. Because it, it's tying into the yeah, journey of the mystery a lot. Holding back, didn't really want to do it, but it, there, it's just linking. Yeah, it's linking too much with journey into mystery, but apparently not at all with the mighty Thor. Right. So, but uh, there's parts of if you don't read fear itself, then you're kind of like, well, when did that happen? Uh, when yeah. you're reading journey into mystery. So. Yeah, which we'll run into. We kind of decided that after reading this issue, we kind of ran into that here. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a spoiler podcast. Well, first let me get back. Um, every show we'll talk about the new book and then we'll talk about two old books. Right now we're talking about the 1966 volume of The Mighty Thor. So we do the new Mighty Thor and two old Mighty Thors one show, the new Journey into Mystery and two old Mighty Thors the next show. So we're going through the... 1966 volume of the Mighty Thor fairly quickly, but that's okay because it's like 400 and some issues long, if I recall, or something like that. And so, we can't be spoiling those for you because they've been out there yeah, since I mean, 1966. Come on. You, you can't gripe at us for that. That's, you know, 40 years ago, 45 years ago. But now the new books, okay. Uh, we, we do talk about what goes on and our thoughts and characters and everything, so... Uh, we do spoil, we spoil all the books, but you know, we're not going to listen to you and, and let you gripe at us about the old books. That's just... And the new book is always goofy. the last one we discuss, so but, if you decide you don't want to be spoiled on the new book, then just listen to the whole show up until the last. And yeah. we'll tell you when we're getting ready to start the new Yeah, we, so. we tell you when the book is coming you can, up. You can so. turn it off then and save it or read along with us or whatever you like to do. Yeah, so... All right, all you guys that have been listening and, and gals, you, you know all that. So, okay, we uh, we do have a little bit of feedback. Yeah, we're not so sure if we mentioned on May 6th on our Facebook fan page, our very first comment, Corey Summers, I love the podcast. Keep it up, guys, and a smiley face. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you, Corey. That's great. And then on June 1st, Jim's Roche said Ed and Terry are going to enjoy some great continuity with Thor. Jack Kirby's art with Vince Coletta's inks were a hallmark of the series in the late 60s. The long multi-issue story arcs allowed Kirby to draw some full-page art. I love this podcast. Thank you, Ed and Terry. Thank you. Thank you, Gems. That's that's really cool. Nice of you to say. And and you're absolutely right. This One of these two issues of um, the 66 volume of The Mighty Thor, might have been the second book, 133, has two full page spreads yes, side by side that are one uh, one picture and it, it is just they just 
turned Kirby loose, and he he just went wild. Mm-hmm. If, if you guys have a chance, it's uh, like the second and third page of the book. You know how you open the book, and you've got the one page on the right-hand side, and then you turn that page. I don't necessarily know how they're numbered, if that's page one or if the cover's page one or however, but you, you turn that first page, and the first two inner pages that you have are one picture. And I believe it's issue 133 of the 66 volume of Mighty Thor, and it's it's awesome. So uh, today, that is one of the books that we're discussing. This is starting with 132. So let me open up my book here. We have left Thor in the ship, going toward planet, planetoid, galaxy, Rigel, whatever. He's been taken prisoner to go to Rigel. And he he feels like he's taken them prisoner, and they feel like they've taken him prisoner. But he wants to get there so he can get this um, lock taken off of Earth. So we start out 132. The title of it is Where Gods Fear to Tread. And it shows a huge, lovely cover of Thor just tearing the crap out of this whole machine with... Rogelians laying around and shooting at him and he's defeated some of them. It's just, it's a wonderful cover. I really like this cover. There's a lot of action to it. I thought it was very cinematic almost. Yes. Like, you know, like something that they would, would have shot, they would have scripted for shooting in a movie mm-hmm. and this would be in the, in, the, in the previews or something to mm-hmm. kind of grab your attention. It's cool. So we start out with um, Thor. They are approaching the mysterious Rigel, and he's hearing voices from the strange object that's floating out toward them. It's sort of like an emissary from the planet saying they need to identify themselves. And But he says, I have to move on. And at, while we're at the beginning, let me just say that this was Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Vince Coletta, Sam Rosen, and Irving Forbush. And Irving did our alien translations so that we will understand the Rogelian language. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Irving. Because it would have been difficult without you. And what has happened is Thor has managed to overtake the the, the Rogelians who were on the ship with him. And that is why this emissary ship has come from Rogelian saying, okay, we've scanned, we know that you're the only one that's conscious, and who are you? And he says, I am Thor prince of Asgard, god of thunder, and I command you to let me speak to someone on this planet because you have to take the space lock off of planet Earth. And they're like, who are you? So they allow him to leave the ship so that they can figure out what they're going to do with him and deal with him. And he's like, fine, then I'm just going to at him, but they managed to stop it with a group mind defense for just a minute. But they realized that no matter what they do to it, it's not really harming the hammer whatsoever. And so they, they weaken and they lose power over it, and it continues on its journey and busts into them. And they're like, well, who is this? And he's like, I am the son of Odin. My hammer can shatter a sun, so what do you think that you can do about it? So take me to whoever can take the space lock off of Earth. And then we switch back to Earth. And there we have Tana Nile, who was 
making herself empress of Earth and going to colonize it. And she's wandering around now in her actual look of how she actually looks rather than being dressed up or, D- disguised, or disguised as a human, as a human being. Yeah, she's walking around. So she's walking around, lording it over everyone in her mind, saying what she's going to do. And a police officer stops her and says, can I help you? And she's like, well, yes, you can. I am your new empress, and you can take me to your leader. And she, and they're like, okay. So they're thinking she's nutso, putting her in a cop car. Yeah, we'll take you to your to yeah, our leader. Got they're your leader right here. here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he yeah. does that so well. And they, t- they decide they're going to take her to the precinct, and she's like, well, that's fine. I'm the empress, and you can be my imperial chauffeur once this all um, shakes into place. And he's like, mm, yeah, okay. How, how very magnanimous of I'm her. telling you. And it shows that, then it shows a picture of the earth with the earth. Yes, that's why nobody has really noticed anything on earth. And there's no, like, major panic or scare. And that's why they don't believe this strange-looking chick. So then we go back to unleash the indestructible which I'm assuming is some sort of mechanical machine that they've created, and they have now told him that his sole purpose is to kill, destroy Thor. That's his sole purpose now. So he's hurtling toward where Thor is, and Thor's like, well, what's this? And he fires his ray, the indestructible fires his ray at Thor and at the ship and manages to part the hull of the ship so that he can just walk in. And the Rogelians are like, ah, oh, well, here you go. Here's our indestructible. You're done for now, old god of thunder, whatever you call yourself. And he's like, just be quiet. Just be quiet. Let me deal with this. So he goes over to fight with indestructible. And he's like, hmm, he is pretty strong. No, it doesn't matter. I have the majesty of the storms and the forces and storms of space. So he throws off indestructible, which with a blow that should have just... Wouldn't so, that be funny if he destroyed him on, like, the first hit? I'm telling you, that's indestructible. Indestructible, yeah. yeah. right. <laughs> so, them fighting, Thor zipping around. and then... Yeah, I think that's, um, uh, who is it, Newton, uh, an irresistible force and an immovable mm-hmm. object. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what happens right there when the two meet. Yep. That's true. Is, is what that was all about. And the Rogelians have decided, well, we better obey this man. Because he has just defeated our fear, our most feared ally that we he have. He just beat, an he just beat him, and, and so we better just do whatever he says. So they're taking Thor to where he needs to go in order to talk to someone about taking the space lock, space lock off of Earth. And then there's this lovely, full-page machinery. It's just. It's outstanding. It's like this this huge flying vessel that is being blown up and falling apart, and it's just it's just outstanding. The picture. The picture is of a Rigelian um, ship of some sort, space mm-hmm. cruiser, being destroyed by the Black Galaxy. Which the Black Galaxy is the only thing the Rigelians fear. Uh, we found out last issue. Other than now Thor. But now they're starting to say, well, as mighty as Thor is, hmm, maybe the 
black galaxy isn't the only thing out there that we should be worried about. Right. So now we go to the Rogelian Control Center where one of the Rogelians is watching this this whole thing play out in front of him. And they're talking about the being from Earth that has defeated the indestructible. And now the invader speeds toward them. And he's like, be gone. Can't you see that we have more calamities than this? Never has our future seemed so grave. And that's also a lovely picture of some machinery there. Yeah, it's the control The command room. control. And it's he's sitting in the middle of this big circular control panel that has more knobs on it than a 747. Yeah, knobs and buttons and everything. Now, honestly, I would wish that they had used a little bit more color. But and it could be that perhaps in, in the original it might have been. Maybe. I think it also was a limitation of the time. Yeah. I believe the printing was limited to a certain number of colors. Um, four colors? Could be. I, I would think that That's it was... That's what our printing press is. It was press. more than four color in the... Well, no, in the 60s, I guess it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't yeah. have been up to 16 or anything like that. Yeah, so it's it's a four-color. And that's, I think, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they use collages, because cutting and pasting pre-existing pictures is the only way to get a lot of stuff going, because you only have four colors. Yeah. So. so this the leader of the Rogelians is, is saying, you know, I never wanted to be the Grand Commissioner. So we have someone who's very, very strong that defeats our indestructible, and we have someone out here we fear. Hmm. That's why he's the smartest. It is. Mm-hmm. And what is it? He's the smartest in whatever area, he says. All the sector. He has the highest IQ in all the all sector. All the sector. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he tells them that he must speed to the power planetoid. So there is this machine that they have that automatically transports him to where he wants to go, to the power planetoid. And he's there and there and the observo lenses are tracking the invader's approach and he is still headed their way. And he wants they're saying he he's saying he wants to flee, he wants to free the distant planet Earth. And if Tana Nile had just told them that they he, that Earth had such a mighty defender yeah. They would never have allowed her or given her permission to even be there. Space but the space lock has to be protected because he wants to use Thor. He's he's formulated his thoughts now, and he wants to use Thor. And here, here comes Thor. And he gets the, he he leaves the ship, and they tractor beam him. Is how I feel yeah. it is okay. to where they are, so that they can talk to him. And he's, 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 when he lands, he starts fighting them, and, and he's like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't fight, and he's tearing up everything. And they're saying, wait a minute, hear me. I am the Grand Commissioner, and I'm, I'm asking, before you hurl your accursed hammer, heed my words. The fate of a galaxy now hangs in the balance. Destroying our space life will not save the people of Earth. He talks him into thinking that... The black, galax- the black Galaxy is going to actually, after it consumes Rigel, it will go to consume Earth. To Earth's next, right. So he convinces Thor that it, they have a mutual foe. 
that they should be allies against this mutual foe. And if he can destroy the black galaxy, then they will take the, the lock off of Earth, and Earth will be fine. So he's like, okay, what you're saying makes sense, and will be safe if I don't, so I shall enter the black galaxy. And he says, well, then you're going to leave immediately, and we're going to send a recorder with you. Then we switch back to Earth, and on Earth, Jane is in a plane. Jane Foster is in a plane, still going, not wanting to leave Thor, but still not being able to resist the fact that she has to leave him. And there's a man sitting beside her on the plane that seems very interested in her, tries to strike up a conversation, and when she doesn't really continue talking to him, he just sits and, and scopes her out. He, takes her in. He's a rather interesting looking And fellow. he's, yes, you can tell that he's not your normal human his, uh, being either. His forehead. Is like huge. Is as big as his face. Yes. Basically, from the brow to the top of his head is as big as from his chin to his brow. So mm-hmm. he's kind of, and, and I don't want to say this because this isn't, there, there's another character, but he has a, a very egg-shaped head with his face down on the lower half of the egg. There's an evil scientist called Egghead in the Marvel Universe, but that's not him. No, no, okay. this is this is something different. Okay, and then we him he is sitting contemplating Jane, and Jane is contemplating the fact that she's leaving Thor and doesn't and she doesn't know why she feels so compelled to do so. We switch back to Thor and the Recorder, who turns out to be a non-cellular humanoid, robot-looking image of a man, who is a machine that has been given the recording capabilities, and he's able to fly the craft that they are on going to the Black Galaxy. Um, the recorders are still around today. Okay. Uh, cool. As are the Rigelians, but the yeah. recorders. Um, and, and they first appeared here in Thor, and I think they probably pop up most often in Thor, but they will pop up here and there, and, and like I told you when we were reading these mm-hmm. initially, in the cosmic part of Marvel Universe, the books, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Silver Surfer, Quasar, um, the Rigelians and the Recorders are in, are in that definitely because that's what those books deal with, not too much Earth. The, right. the Recorders aren't too known on Earth, but to those characters that are off in space, they're, they're familiar with them. Okay. So they are on their way into the Black Galaxy, and they are talking about what they are looking at and the fact that the recorder knows that this is what's happened before when Rogelians have tried to enter the Black Galaxy, and they're looking out for death rays and that sort of thing, and they're watching the different atmospheric differences that are out there as they're going through. And they they discover, the recorder computes that it is actually a bioverse, and before he can explain that to Thor, we see a large face, a humanoid face, who announces, I have been waiting for you. I am Ego. And that's the end of that issue. The planet itself forms itself into forms a face. Forms a face on it. Uh, and this last page of the issue is also another collage page. It's our first introduction to Ego, who also is a character that has made his rounds in the universe, in, in the Marvel universe, 
and the offspring of ego played a large part in the comic book Quasar because Quasar is a character that was chosen to be protector of the universe and the offspring of this ego um, was his conscience shall we say in the way that that book was written back in the 80s Quasar was a favorite of mine I enjoyed it quite a bit okay so now we move on to issue 133 which picks our story up the, the title of this issue is Behold the Living Planet. Excuse me, I'm having some technical difficulties here. Here we go. Sorry. And the cover of this issue is Thor with his hammer in an attack pose facing the face of the planet Ego. And minions, I'm, I'm assuming, of Ego down here getting ready to attack. And the recorder watching on. Those are antibodies. Antibodies? Uh-huh. Okay. And Thor, that starts out with Thor saying, "Is it? Tr can it be true? What we just saw as a planet became a living face, and we heard it talking. And the recorder is like, I can't testify to the truth of that, but I can record whatever transpires. Yeah, so he can't. He can't speculate. He can't he speculate. Can't, he can only record. He can't formulate his own ideas per se, but he can record what's going on and he can gather information by reviewing what he has recorded, mm -hmm. but he can't um, formulate or extrapolate. Right. He, he can't necessarily connect the dots, but he can tell you that, well, you saw this and you saw that and you saw that. Mm-hmm. And this is also Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Vince Coletta, and Artie Simek. And according to them, this is possibly the most daringly imaginative saga you have ever marveled at. Well, that next two-page spread is... Is I, pretty daring I, and... I, I will say that. Yes. It's, uh, yes. And this it, is the pages that, that Ed was talking about at the beginning of the show. This is the next two pages, and it shows this huge, massive undulating alive planet yeah, I mean it's hard to describe there are there are tentacle kind of looking things there are maze looking things there's there's big oozy masses of things there's fire I mean it's hard to describe to you what this actually if, looks if like if you guys can get a hold of say the um, Thor uh, essentials the black and white books that Marvel puts out this probably looks amazing even without color. It's just, Kirby did so many different things on these two pages, it's just, it's hard to describe because there's nothing, it's it's just, it's a scene of so many different things that it would take forever to, to tell you about all the, the different parts mm -hmm. that, that the planet is, basically. He, you know, he just is, is showing outrageously possible aspects of this living uh, bioplanet, I think the recorder called it. So Bioverse. Bioverse. Um, two pages. Hey, it's, it's staggering. Mm -hmm. And Thor is talking about how staggering the whole thing is. He's like, this is surely the most incomprehensible place I've ever been. And the recorder is saying, well, we're in the center of the black galaxy. My 
sensitizers detect the presence of ego. Classification, multiple virus living material. Size, planetary range. Location, existing not in physical universe, but in fluid bioverse. Conclusion, the planet upon which we stand is not merely a receptacle upon which life dwells. It is truly life itself. Here within the only known bioverse in all of creation, we are in the presence of ego, the living planet. And then ego forms himself into a face again so that he can talk to him. And he said, that's true. I am ego. You were like dust under my feet. <laughs> and Thor's like, I don't care what size you are. Tis Thor who faces thee. And he goes like, I have powers without end. I have fashioned myself into a face so that we can address each other. And Thor's thinking, he's pretty darn confident and he's ignored me. Hmm. So Ego is, is apparently reading their minds because he's, he says, employing the memories which I read within your brain, I will create a new land for you. So he's able to read their minds. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he creates, there's a vortex, and he creates a planet like Earth with grass and trees and, and, and puts them in that. Right. Trying. I'm not so sure if it's actually he created it and it's really there or if it's kind of a holographic thing. I took it that he, crea- he created he, it he and it's really there. his substance into something that would be more uh, comfortable for them. Okay. Is, is the way I took And Thor thinks, never before have I faced one whose power seems to beggar my own. Mm. So now he, Ego has formed himself into a man on a steed. So that he can, so that he can show them, take them on a ride and show them new things. He's going to take them to a new Asgard that he's created. And Thor's like, I wonder why he's doing all this. And he goes like, Well, my purpose shall reveal in due time. So he takes them to this fantastical world and says, This is your new Asgard. This is where I'm taking you because. I have awaited your coming for millenniums. Too long have I been confined within the black galaxy. This time for ego to conquer all of space. And Thor's like, what? There has to be some motive to his madness. What, what's he talking about? I'm, I must listen to every word he says so I can figure out what his awful secret is. We switch back to Earth. The strange man who was beside Jane Foster in the plane has talked her into going to dinner with him so that he may talk to her more. And she's like, well, I admit you have aroused my curiosity, so you said you've been searching the entire earth for someone. And he said, yes, my friend Tagar and I are searching for one who possesses true courage, enthusiasm, and a spirit of dedication. And she's like, well, I don't see why you're having so much difficulty. Why do you need that person? What is your business? And he says, you'll soon learn when Tagar gets here. So a gentleman, an elderly-looking gentleman, comes and says, I'm here. Is she the one? Have you found her, Porgia? And Tagar is like, he's like, Tagar, wait a minute. I haven't told her anything. She hasn't consented. I've waited for you to even tell her what's going on. And Jane's thinking, what in the world are they doing? And Tagar is like, just step aside. I will speak to her. Once we find what we seek, then we can solve the eternal secret of life itself. You cannot refuse us. 
she's like, but I'm just a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm a nurse. And he's like, oh, that's even better. Your medical knowledge will make you doubly valuable. And she's like, I'm, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, she, and he says, by the genetic table of the high evolutionary, we must have your services. And have them we shall. And he looks rather evil in this last picture. And I think he, that Kirby was trying to make him look rather evil by doing him in red. Yeah. Uh, menacing, I think. Uh, I, I don't think the characters are evil, uh, per se. Um, keep in mind the names that they're using for these. The, Tegar and Porgia. The, the guy that was just introduced looks rather countish with eyepiece, white hair and beard. He's Tagar. Uh, the one with the funky head, and, and he is called uh, Porgia. There will be... You'll... you'll It'll make more sense in the next probably issue or two. Um, there's a connection between the way they are, who the way they look, who they are, and the names. Okay. There, there, there's th- those are more than just a name, and and you'll see why. <clears throat> okay. We switch back to the planet Ego, and he is still in his man form. And he tells Thor, this is my power against you, and now it's time for my ultimate test. He says, if I can defeat you while I'm in this human form, then I can make countless copies of myself, and I can defeat the whole universe. And Thor's like, the hammer of Thor shall strike against thee while life remains within my limbs. And he's like, oh, have you forgotten already who I am? And he turns back into ego and creates this energy mass and throws Thor and he's like laid out on a piece of machinery and the recorder says it is my duty to tell you that you said you were going to defeat him in human form and that is not what you just did (laughs) and he goes like it's a mere oversight he's still alive we'll have another chance don't worry about it so Thor gathers himself back up again And Ego says, I shall use you yourself as a molecular model in order to create an endless army of bioversal creatures. So he is using Thor as his template for these creatures. Right. And he's talking about the physiological interchange enabling me to create a humanoid out of antibody organisms. And your mind will just reel at the very thought of this. And Thor's like, well, he thinks I'm stupid, but I'm a physician in my mortal form. And I comprehend it, all that he's talking about. he's saying, yeah. So conjured up <laughs> out of ego's powers is this form that keeps coming clearer and clearer and clearer into a, it's a humanoid form. As the molecules whirl and shift and the antibodies begin to assume the form. And then behold. Here we have the prototype of billions of antibodies, which will make Ego master of all creation. And he's quite an interesting-looking fellow. He has a humanoid build, but with a square head and longer fingers and only three long toes. I'm not quite sure. The recorder stands and says, I have recorded all of this. And now he has to recharge. Because never has a recorder witnessed wonderment equal to this. I, I don't I'm not sure understand we, the point of that. Me neither. But then we move on to Thor, of course, who has to demonstrate the folly of this antibody humanoid that 
ego has made, and he has to defeat it. And the recorder's like, a battle between God and biversal entity is about to ensue. It's like, thank you very much, recorder. We might not have known that without you telling us. Um, the recorder for this time was a very interesting kind of character mm -hmm. because it was devoid of human emotion, and um, it was written just as, um, say, they assumed a computer would, mm -hmm. would act and react. So at the time that this came out in the mid to late 60s, it was a, a, a very fresh take on an idea, um, given that the recorder, and never in, in all of its existence through all the writers that have done it, has he ever, or they, as it turns out, um, shown any emotion, mm -hmm. shown any caring or concern. They have been with groups of people that have been killed, and they recorded it. They have been destroyed and never were upset at their impending destruction. I mean, it's all very mm -hmm. machine. mechanical. and yeah. are a machine. So Thor has decides you know, what I was just saying, that he has to fight this, this being that has been created by ego. But as he's rushing toward him, he disappears. And the recorder says, you are too late. Ego has created countless others in the space of a heartbeat. And you cannot combat a living planet. What must, what ego wills must come to pass. And Thor's like, hush. It's never been against, it's never come up against the son of Odin. So Thor, it showed the next picture, the next panel shows ego with his human face only. Not the human form, but just the face so that he can talk. And he's telling Thor, you're no longer of any interest to in me because I've already created my model and I don't need you anymore. And Thor's like, you can't just dismiss me. And the recorder is like, you can't threaten an entire world. So Ego disappears back into the planet. And Thor's like, hmm, I have never seen an alien so strange. And I'm not quite sure what we are going to do. He is everything. He is the whole living world. And he, they hear a noise. And he's like, what is that? And the recorder says, oh, look, there's a big ocean coming now to engulf us. And Thor's like, just ahead, there's, there's, a, there's a hole in that. And we have to go into that hole. We must go in there, and then you have to come with me. And the recorder says, I can't do anything else. I must attend and record. So the, the valve, the hole that they fell down into, keeps the waters from rushing in. So they are inside the planet now. Trying, and Thor's trying to figure out what in the world he's going to do. And, and the recorder's like, well, you know that we are foreign bodies like germs inside the planet and there is going to be something come to, to fight us. The antibodies are going to come fight us to get to expel us because we are a germ in the body. And lo and behold, here they come. The, the entities that Ego made based upon Thor come and Thor and it looks like the recorder even are fighting them. I, I don't think the recorder's fighting. I think the recorder's being attacked okay. by the antibodies as he would. Yes. Being a foreign body. Yes, being a foreign body. So then this next pan this next full page is a huge column stack composed of this one I think it's one um, like a root fissure coming up through the planet and it is completely engulfed and surrounded by antibodies that are crawling up it 
trying to get to Thor, who's at the top of it. So you have this huge writhing mass of these created antibody humanoid things by ego climbing up this this huge like root type thing trying to get to the recorder and the thor to attack them and and defeat them because they are germs in the body that they belong to and thor's like they shall not topple me and he's fighting them back and he's and he's letting them feel the power of thor and when he does that they are just like flung off like flies just you know when you when you smack a bunch of flies they just fly off that's the way these humanoid antibodies look they're just flung off and they hurtle out and so thor's like i have to do something i have to go somewhere there is no escape from ego he is everywhere he is everything and thor's like fine do your worst never shall i admit defeat meanwhile back at earth the space lock has, is still drawing Earth slowly and secretly out of orbit. And Tanya Neal Heil has been taken to the precinct. And she's trying to explain to them that she is now the ruler of planet Earth. And they're asking her if she wants to go see the psychologist. And she's like, no, I am now to be addressed. I can just see her. I mean, I'm the empress of Earth and you may address me as, and they're all talking well, this lady's crazy. Oh, yeah. She's just out of her mind. And they're like, you need to take off that nutty um, costume you have on there. And she's out of space. And then you'll understand who I am. So she gets, Roger's like, no, we are releasing Earth at this point in time. And you are ordered to end colonization and return to Rigel. And she's like, N- what? what happened? And they're like, transmission's closed. So meanwhile, we go back to where Thor is trying to fight the whole planet of Ego. And he's fighting the antibodies and the recorders being swept away in the debris. And he's and he's thinking, my memory box will should be, soon be shattered and I cannot record anymore. My vision is obscured. My service has come to an end. But Thor won't abandon him, even though he's a machine. He picks him up and he carries him away and says, don't worry, you have been my faithful companion and I shall not abandon you. And the recorder says he feels the emotion of gratitude. Now, is that different from how the recorder is portrayed and all the rest of the... Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Feeling the emotion of gratitude. That, you know... uh, Okay. That's, yeah. Okay. And Thor picks him up and is carrying him out. And Ego raises his temperature. But Thor's like, that shall not that such heat cannot affect the Thunder God. And the recorder says, nor can it damage my insulated memory banks. But now it's time to break free of this planet, to leave this bioverse forever. And break free we shall by the power of Thor. And he recites, in the name of mighty Odin, by the fury of the thunder, let the winds which fill the cosmos tear this evil world asunder. Let the lightning and the gale pierce this planet to the core. Let the storm now humble ego. Thus commands the mighty Thor. Yeah. He's a poet and didn't know it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's this lovely vroom, which is Thor's word, W-H-R-O-O-M. Anytime he hits the earth or smacks at something, you get vroom. 
and they are free of the deadly ego. Not even the power, not even the living planet could equal the power of Thor. And ego's like, I have never been bested before. I have never been humbled before. I have never suffered humiliation before, and never again will I. I'm just going to stay into myself, and then I don't have to worry about having this feeling ever again. I will never attack Rajal again. I will never seek another universe. I will just live right here, and I will never have to feel humbled or humiliated again. Thor's like, all right. Nevermore shall the black galaxy menace the earth. Now he's going back to Rigel to make sure that earth has been freed. And taking the recorder back. And taking the recorder back over his shoulder. And he says, yet somehow I feel the greatest danger of all awaits me in the world where mortals dwell. And so there we go. There's our, what is that, three parts of the story so far? Mm -hmm. Parts two and three there. So, uh, good stuff, I think. I think so, too. Some of the, and, and this isn't quite it yet but some of the fondest memories i have growing up of thor are when he um commandeers a boat or not commandeers but he, he has a, a asgardian boat and all of his companions go sailing through space like uh, jason and the argonauts kind of thing cool and they're in their adventures so there's I, I just i always have liked the thought of thor in space mm-hmm. flying around doing stuff so that was that's that's pretty cool. All right, the last issue for today is Journey into Mystery, the 2011 volume, issue 624. So this is the current volume. This book just came out this past Wednesday. So if you haven't read it yet, this is where you stop listening. As we sit and record on Sunday. So uh, on the cover, we see an image of. Loki fighting Hela with uh, Mephisto, also at the very least watching, if not helping. This is written by Kieran Gillen, art by Doug Braithwaite, colorist is Ulysses Seriola, and letters is Clayton Cowles. We get a, uh, a, a rehash of this volume of Journey into Mystery, so the past uh, two issues on the first page. And then we go on. Uh, Next, we see reports of kind of another uh, update on something that happened in the Fear Itself miniseries that Marvel has going right now. And then it finally clicks over to what is currently going on in the Journey into Mystery book. And so we see, um, well, I'll just have to tell you, in in Fear Itself, what has happened is Odin has chosen to take all of the Asgardians back and create a new Asgard. Asgard is, is many different things. It's a dimension. It's its own place. It's the castle. It's the land that they're from. It's, I mean, it, it, that word is used for all these different aspects. So they have left the castle Asgard on Earth completely trashed. Odin has decided that they will go back into, back to the dimension that they're from 
and create a new Asgard, which he does. More in a spherical planet shape rather than the perceived floating islandy kind of shape that uh, Asgard itself is usually portrayed as. I'm not sure if that's going to make any difference, but that it, it's a different form of the world. So he has he has told all the Asgardians that they must come with him. Thor didn't want to. He wanted to stay, and whatever this threat is that the Asgardians are A, running from, but B, going to Asgard to start preparing for the attack of, Thor feels that the Asgardians should stay on Earth to protect Earth from whatever this is. He and Odin get into it. Odin basically... Locks him up. Um, Creates a prison just, just for him. It just trashes him. I mean, just like it's nothing. Locks him up, forces him, forcibly takes him back to Asgard, and locks him in a prison in Asgard. So that that's the quick fear itself um, update as far as it applies to Thor. Now, there are other things going on with the rest of the Marvel Universe in that miniseries. Um, we, we now see in, in this book, Journey into Mystery, that Loki freed Thor and Odin appears, basically tells them, you know, it's not possible between myself and and, um, oh, what's his name? The the Watcher dude. The Hemdall. Hemdall. Between myself and Hemdall, it's not possible for you to do anything and me not know it. So he, he basically helps them because what has happened is Asgard is closed off from Earth. You're not allowed to go back and forth. So Loki and Thor's companions, the Warrior Three and the Lady Sif, were going to, like, smuggle Thor back to Earth, but they couldn't remain. They had to go back to Asgard. But before they did anything, Odin found them, almost like banished Thor back to uh, to Earth. And so now Loki and Odin are um, discussing what it is that has just transpired. And before Odin can really attempt to punish Loki... Volstagg steps up and says, well, actually, this wasn't Loki's idea. It was my idea. So if you're going to punish anyone, don't punish him. Punish me. Now, Volstagg does not like Loki. The only reason he does all this is because Thor has asked he and his companions to watch out for Loki. Mm -hmm. And they feel this is an instance where they had to watch out for Loki. So Volstagg stepped up and lied for him, basically. So after the discussion between Odin and Loki and Odin and Volstagg, and then a discussion of between Volstagg and Loki about this situation, uh, we see that Loki leaves. He retrieves his... Hellwolf. Hellwolf, which he has found a way to hide from the site of Heimdall and decides that uh, the next thing that he needs to do to continue on on his personal journey is to go to hell and talk to Hela, the uh, Asgardian ruler of hell. Now, because of other things that transpired in the 
most uh, the last volume of Thor, the Straczynski volume. Um, I can't remember what the year it was. Two thousand six or seven is the year that that volume started. Hella, hell does not exist anymore per se. The realm was destroyed. Hela, as the ruler, still had to find a place for the dead of Asgard to, to be. So she went to Mephisto, who is ruler over his own dimension, which is the dimension that most Marvel human beings recognize as the actual hell. Two L's. So, Hela, this... Um, goddess of death from another dimension has come to our hell and asked for some land to make her place of the dead. Hell with one L. Yes, hell and hell. Hella. Hella and Mephisto. Mephisto is viewed basically as our devil that we we refer to, or if not we, then the uh, Marvel human beings. The devil, Satan, Beelzebub, all those names. That's that's supposed to be Mephisto. So, Loki now is going to journey to Mephisto's realm to go to that portion of his realm that Hela rents, let's say, because ultimately that's basically what it is. She's not a permanent resident. Mephisto hasn't... Mephisto never gives anything. There's always some sort of parlay. There's some kind of contract. There's time limits that when this happens and that happens, it goes back or this change. There's always scheming and all this stuff with Mephisto. So he would never have just given Hela land to use. That, that's just not the way he works. So we we see um, Hela in, in her hell. And she has a consort of sorts in the Asgardian god of war, Tyr, who we last saw fighting the world eaters with Balder. Now, apparently, both he and Balder died. He has been, uh, his, his body, his spirit, I'm, I'm not 100% how this works, really, but his his person as we know it now after him having died he comes under the influence of Hela uh, she is is his his sovereign now and he's doing it because she is going to aid Balder in his eternal battle in limbo if he serves her right so so there's there's another agreement that's been made if actually if Balder not only serves her but serves her as Tear. his Tear. or Tear as the lead general but I also believe that he is a consort. He, I think he wants to be. From from the way they're talking a little bit later I think on. he wants to be. Um, she will do what she can to rescue Balder from the situation that he's in, which is what Tyr wants. We also have the introduction of, a, of a, another character named Lee, which I want to say I should recognize, but nothing comes to mind when I, when I think about who she is. So, Hela, Lee, and Tyr, basically Hela's right hand and left hand in, in ruling, 
are visited by a servant of the serpent. Now, the serpent is the main bad guy in the Fear Itself miniseries, who is trying to, to take over everything in one fell swoop. So he has sent emissaries all over the place. And he's also the reason that Odin is running away from Earth. From Earth, because... He, because he has to get ready to... Right. He, he has defeated this serpent before, and apparently, although this hasn't been said directly, apparently imprisoned him. Well, he's recently gotten out, and Odin knows that when he gets his wits about him from just having escaped, he's going to come after Odin. And Odin knows that it's going to be a knockdown drag out because it was before. So what he has all the Asgardians doing is preparing for war in their new Asgard. Everything about them is about war. Training, making weapons, everything is wartime. Uh, this emissary of the serpent is a reptilian, ugly, nasty looking dude. So basically he comes to Hela and says, look, the serpent is going to win and take over everything. Now, you can join the serpent now, and he'll go easy on you. Or you can wait and have him conquer you, at which point he won't go so easy on you. You decide. So she says, you know, basically, well, hmm, you know, there, there's something to think about. She doesn't want to. Uh, Hella's personality has always been that she is very self-sufficient. Um, she she is the model of the uh, strong female. Mm -hmm. That's always how she's been portrayed. So not only she, you know she definitely doesn't take anything off of any men, but she doesn't take anything off of anybody right. ever. She doesn't do anything for free, and she doesn't expect anything for free, and, and you know so so basically she's saying, well, hmm, you know, let me sit down and think about it. But I don't believe she has any intentions of doing anything other than fighting. But now is not the time or place. Right. So, um, so she says, you know, hey, we've, we've got some place for you to, to chill and relax here while I'm thinking. And he says thanks and, you know, goes to chill and wait. Uh, we get back to Loki, who is attempting to enter hell and comes upon the guardian Garm, who's a, a large dog guarding the entrance of hell and Loki six six S I C six six his not the number S I X right. the way it sounds as I'm saying it. But Loki six his hell wolf on this hound who is not Cerberus. Right. That that's a different creature. Um and Loki uh, gets by, you know, the battle and goes on to Hela's realm to talk to her. Well, he's found out by Tyr, who has this cool contraption on his hand that I haven't noticed before, but it's almost like a, an energy thing comes out of the, the band on his wrist because his hand uh, thousands and thousands of years ago got cut off. And he's, he's attempting to uh, kill Loki because Loki, in the past, what he's done, but Loki was also directly responsible for the um, destruction that has recently befallen the, the fortress Asgard, mm -hmm. which 
da 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 directly led to Tyr being in this dimension with the world eaters and being killed and being in hell now. So right. all of that is Loki's fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thousands of other things Loki did that maybe didn't even influence Tyr, but Tyr knows about. So all of this comes out. He, he's going to kill Loki, but Loki's like, you know, no, no, don't. I'm here for this. I'm here for that. I'm here for Asgard. And when Tyr hears that, you know, Tyr still has aspirations of being a living Asgardian. He's he's not rectified himself. He's not happy with being a dead Asgardian. Right. He, he wants to be alive. So Loki he hasn't says, accepted his fate yet. Right. And he he probably won't ever. But um, so you know something about Asgard, uh, the living where I want to be. Okay, I'll listen to whatever you have to say. If it pertains to something to Asgard, yeah, probably. <laughs> so, um, Tyr and Loki talk, uh, after which Loki goes back and, and gathers up his hell wolf and goes to Mephisto's um, fortress. And there's a, there's a whole little thing going on here that we probably didn't explain very well when we were going through it near the end of the previous volume of Thor. The previous previous volume? That um, was the story arc before the World Eaters. It was the last story arc that Kieran Gillum did before Matt Fraction took over. Yeah. There's a whole lot of manipulating going on between Loki, the former adult Loki from back, back before we even started doing the podcast, back before the downfall of of Asgard, Asgard coming to Earth, before all of that. Loki started putting some plans in place, started doing some things with Hela, then started putting some plans in place with Mephisto, So now Loki is approaching Mephisto and both have knowledge of these prior arrangements that were made, which had to to do with the Desir, which was the main gist of of that last story by Fraction, but also had to do with... The last story by Killen. Or, uh, yeah, not Matt Fraction, Kieran Gillen. Gillen. uh, The last story by Gillen um, has to do with how... Loki was even able to come back when during siege and and the falling of Asgard he was killed Mm -hmm. and what allowed him to come back as this child that he is now was put in place back then so Loki and Mephisto are are talking about all this and, and they're going back and forth and so Loki uh, basically, Loki is taking Mephisto's measure Yes. right now is what he's doing. Because then he, he goes running back to Hela after he told Mephisto Hela was going to do something. He then got Mephisto to react and ran back to Hela to tell her that Mephisto is going to do something. So basically, he's, he's playing, what is it? Both sides against the middle uh-huh. is, is how they say Playing it. the two sides against each other. Against each other, yeah. So, 
and that that ends this um, this issue with him telling Hela that Mephisto is going to attack, which he is because Loki told Mephisto Hela was going to attack, which she had no intention of doing. But also calling into play this contract that they have with the Deseer and, and all this other stuff. So it's... it. I had to read it two or three times and, and talk with Terry before I finally got set in my mind everything that Loki had done from 30 or 40 issues ago to set up what he's doing now. And it was just bits and pieces here and there that he was doing that didn't look connected. Mm-hmm. But now Gillen has pulled these different things, sewn them together, and said, and so this is why we are where we are, even though he himself might not have controlled all of those story aspects. He's woven them together to use. And and I can, if you guys, you know, if, if somebody out there doesn't understand all this interplay between Loki and Hela and Mephisto, if you want to email me or, or put a comment, I can explain it better than I have now. But we're at almost an hour of the podcast, and I don't want to take another 30 minutes to explain all this to you, because that's about what it would take. A little involved, but you know, if, if somebody wants to message me somehow, I'll, I'll tell you what all's going on with them. It's much more complicated and convoluted than what it looks like in this book. So, okay, um, that's that's this episode's uh, main main stuff. Uh, next episode of the Thorcast, episode twenty-five, we will be talking about. The 2011 volume of Mighty Thor, issue 3. The 1966 volume of Mighty Thor, issue 134. And probably Thor Giant Size from 1966, which would be the equivalent of an annual. Uh, If not, then it will be Mighty Thor from 1966, issue 135. But I believe that annual falls in place here, so we'll we'll knock it out. So it'll probably be the annual 134 from the 1966 volume and 3 from the 2011 volume. If you do want to contact us, uh, you want me to go into this Loki-Mephisto-Hella thing, um, you can email us at the Mighty Thor Podcast at gmail.com. The website is comicbooknoise.com slash Thor. We also have the Facebook fan page, which I'm glad to see people are using now to leave comments. Yes. I suspect there are some people even that have gotten on Facebook just to interact with the Thorcast page, which is just mighty cool. And we appreciate it. Uh, if you do download us from iTunes, please take a minute, leave us a review. Uh, it helps us because it gives us some more feedback, which feedback is always cool, positive or, or not. Um, it helps other people find the podcast. If you like it and enjoy it and think it's any good, uh, I would imagine that you would want other people to find it also. So leave an iTunes review and, and help them find it, please. do want to thank Mr. Derek Coward, the my my podcasting granddaddy and the administrator of the 
deliberate noise slash comic book noise sites that we are a part of. Want to thank Gems Roche and Corey Summers for their feedback, their comments on the fan page. So I think that'll be it for us this episode. Um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back in another couple of weeks, hopefully, with some more books. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. This is a Teal Production.